Building a stronger financial foundation? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. You'll learn how the tools in your financial plan reinforce each other to help you minimize taxes and offset potential risks. Grow your confidence by strengthening your finances today at northwesternmutual.com slash goodplan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Coming up, we break down why this Brooklyn Nets team can be capable of pursuing a fourth seed in the Eastern Conference as the playoffs loom just a handful of games away. We break it all down next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht breaking down the New York Giants on the One Giant Podcast and over on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast, your New Jersey Devils. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free on all those great platforms. And let you know, today's episode, it's brought to you by Abada. Abada gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Right now, Abada is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abada out by using code LOCKED when they register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Abada app. And Doug, my goodness, my friend, if you thought, the Brooklyn Nets were coming off a hot weekend of games and really building up this fan base. Yours truly is knocking every aspect of his job out of the park. <laughs> my, my guy knows what day it is for sure. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> in case you were wondering if Adam knows what day it is, the answer is yes, of course. Uh, look, we're, look, I can understand why we're coming off a Sunday where, you know, it's always funny when the schedule gets a little thrown out of whack. It's like a mid-afternoon game, and then you get even more thrown off because the Nets actually win. <laughs> they go into Denver. <laughs> they go into Denver, take on a team. Cover this in the podcast yesterday, obviously, but it's worth reiterating. Cover going against a team that's thirty and five this season at home, where they just look completely in the Nuggets look completely unbeatable. Facing off against the MVP odds-on MVP candidate or uh, front runner, although that might be taking a little bit of a hit here in the short term. And walk a game that really no one would have expected them to win. And probably most people would have been fine if they didn't. Honestly, this is like a really, really heavy lift, this game against Denver. To walk away with a 122-120 victory, I it's one it, sometimes it doesn't take much, buddy. And you know this to just sort of reframe all your expectations around a, a team. And we're gonna cover it today. Like Forget playing. I, mean, I was thinking playing a couple days ago. Now, now I'm thinking four seed. Now I got now I can't unsee the idea that they might be able to get into the four seed and actually have a home playoff series. And it really is funny, man. We go back to that Friday night game on the road in Boston, right? We knew they had some soft matchups against Charlotte and then kicking off what is this five-game road trip here that they're about to wrap up taking on the Thunder on Tuesday night. But that Celtics win. And then it was okay, but okay, great. That 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 came out of nowhere. The comeback, it's awesome. Two wins against bad teams. Great. That feels good. And then even after the loss against the Bucks, with all the backups that I, I know you talked about it, it's like <laughs> when you feel like there's another win in they could be on a six-game winning streak right now yeah. instead of winning five out of their last six. But the Timberwolves and now this Nuggets game, it, it's just funny, man. Like the one thing that we consistently seem to come back to 
is that the only consistent element about this team is the inconsistency about what to expect from them. Because we we had the discussion after the trade deadline. Okay, a lot of talented players, but, but what can they really be? They have some bumps. Things aren't quite gelling. All right, let's bring it down a notch. You said it. Play-in game. Like, well, yeah, maybe they can hang on to it, not fall into those difficult matchups. Could they even win a game in a playoff series we talked about? And then a week and a half later, justifiably with the schedule they've played, it does change your perspective, and, and it's that reminder about cohesion and coaching and getting four new starting guys in the lineup and then adding Noel and, you know, just fitting all these pieces together. Like it takes time and it's at least really encouraging that they are seemingly starting to figure out how to lock pieces in here on a consistent game to game basis. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the key, right? It's like, they're getting more minutes together. There's clearly a part of them that wants to play like spoiler. I think to some of these, I, I think to some of these other teams, I think there's a very real, probably energy in the building that was like hey they traded all the good players away and this is what's left well now where there's something to prove everyone's got a probably a little bit of a chip on their shoulder right in terms of like hey they were packaged by their previous teams and sent to this new team the expectations were super low and i mean not super low but like low lower than Kyrie and kd right (laughs) and so um i think there's probably i think there's an element of that going on i just think the whole vibe of the thing has changed and now we're talking about a playoff situation where again, look, we said this multiple times, but it really is worth reiterating about that Celtics game midway through that Celtics game. And I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. I was like, where are they going to land? There's a pot. We got lottery odds going here, <laughs> right? Because this yeah. was how bad it was looking. It was just looking as bad as it could be. And to go from there, swing that game all the way around. It was going to be their fifth loss. They turned that into a win. It's now been five out of six. They are seventh or excuse me. They are fifth overall in the Eastern conference tied with the Knicks. Um, and with possibly the Cavs in sight, we'll go through some of the odds. We'll go through the schedule and make a case for why they can definitely, you know, make it to the four seed and have again a home playoff series. Like if they're the four seed, that's going to be two, you know, four, well, four, excuse me, at least two games at home to start off the series. This is just an, a totally improbable run. And it looks to me, like you said before, it looks to me like a team that's like starting to believe that they can play spoiler here. And that's so easy to do. Again, when you go into Denver and knock off the team that some people think is the best team in basketball with the best player and they beat them, (laughs) right? And so, and that's just not, that's just not nothing. And and the other really good thing I think about this too, because we are going to talk about how high they can go, but just thinking about setting the floor here as well, because inside of that, that stretch there when they're losing games and then starting with Boston, remember they lost to the Knicks, the Knicks were surging and continue, you know, now you look back and they, they had a couple of skid games here, but they've been playing really well. So you're just ahead of them marginally because uh, you have a game in hand over top of them right now, um, but right behind them, Miami in the seventh seed, right? So the sixth seed now feels like the absolute floor for this team if we're just going to start setting expectations because Miami is a full three and a half games back from Brooklyn right now. So like it, it's really funny to watch this now. It went from the margin of what could be was five, you know, five seed, okay, maybe, but six seed, hang on, maybe the play-in, sorry, maybe the lottery. And now, no, the window to me is like, hey, you're six to four right now. And if anything other than that happens on the negative side, it would be an absolute travesty. So that's played out to their benefit as well, just in terms of these four or five games. They're on a hot streak. And then some other key teams like Miami and those play-in teams didn't make any of those marginal moves that we thought could have been a concern. And I'll tell you right now, we're like two wins away from the discussion going, can they 
win a playoff series. I don't think, I don't think we're there yet, but like we probably aren't too many games or wins away from just re- shit. And look, look, this stuff changes all the time. I get it. It's sports, but about just changing it into a totally different scenario where it's like four seed, maybe they beat one of these teams. <laughs> maybe they grab <laughs> one of these. Cause I, you know, it's funny about the, the East like too. It is, it, it's pretty deep. Like any playoff run would, would be very tough almost no matter what the seeding is. Cause the East is a, a deep, conference right like even if you swap the cavaliers four and five you're still facing the Cavs, (laughs) right in round one like these are these are good teams even with the seating but it's just funny about how the trajectory has around this team has changed with by the way a a set a group of players where it doesn't feel lucky either right like this doesn't feel these don't necessarily feel like lucky outcomes these feel like we're catching some players on the rise some of these guys have been unlocked they've been they've been made they excuse me jock bond and company have made just definitive, just kind of choices around some of their rotations and some of their strategies too, which is, I think definitely goes down to coaching and things that have, even though maybe not always looked that great has worked. And yeah. um, I think some of these things definitely are repeatable. So it's going to be really interesting. All right. When we, uh, in a second here, we're going to break down where they could land, why the fourth seed uh, in the East is within sight for this team and some other expectations and predictions to make for the rest of the season. We'll get to that in a second. But first, we're going to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta. Look, groceries, school shopping, getting uh, that little something for yourself. You've already been doing it. So why not get cash back with Ibotta? If you're watching the closet grow after purchasing all the season's latest trends, how about also watching that cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Uh, either link to your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop. You get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns, wait for this, $120 per year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. And that's just for using the Ibotta app. If you could use that cash back to buy the flight you've been eyeing, to grab the game you're dying to try, a fancy dinner you're craving, all that's on the table with Ibotta right now. Abada is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abada by using the code locked on when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free, you heard that free Abada app and use code locked. That's Abada, I B O T T A, in the Google Play or App Store. Use the code locked. Grab Abada today. Okay. So when we turn our attention to, to what is achievable here, one thing that I, I was recognizing as well, we mentioned the Knicks in that before we talk about getting up to that four seed. There's something really fun about the entire remainder of this season is going to be about the two teams inside of this city. Like, you know, this is New York, MSG, Brooklyn, Barclays Center. Everything that the Nets do is going to be watched by the Knicks and vice versa. And in a lot of ways, like I wish that this had been this new iteration of the team. If we had had this type of energy all year, like I think this is just really good for basketball in general. And it makes for a really fun, like fit from a fan base perspective. You know that like this is where the drawing starts. This is where you start to get a little bit into the, the well, I'll say Twitter. It's always a perfect space for these kind of conversations. But you have a lot of fun with this stuff. So it's actually one part of it that I think like we're talking about. We're going to talk about eyeing the Cleveland Cavs and getting up there. But there's a world where every single game, win or lose, it's going to immediately go back to what did the Knicks do? Who do they play next? What does their schedule look like? Because it continues to increase the chances for the Nets to do something. 
Yeah, that's what that we're in that part of the season. We're in the part of the season where teams, motiv- you know, a couple things happen. Teams motivations totally change up and down, up and down the entire NBA, right? Like some teams are just going to want to lose some of these games, right? Yeah. When you have Wembenyama on the on the, uh, pot coming up and you have, can increase your chances there, the incentive to lose increases. But we have all these other teams. Yeah, we're going to be scoreboard watching. I was scoreboard watching Cavs uh, Hornets yesterday when it looked like the Hornets were going to be able to topple them. And I'm thinking, <laughs> hey, we're going to be starting to yeah. root for every every Cavs. Cavs opponent, every Knicks opponent, that gets, it makes it fun. Like that's what you want. You want every night in basketball to kind of count. So let's just take stock of where the net, the Nets are right now. Nets are thirty nine and twenty nine. They're nine and a half games out of first. That's not happening. They're th- uh, three full games behind the uh, Cavaliers. Two in the loss column. Uh, Cavs are forty three and twenty seven. When you look at some uh, strength, let's start here with the strength of schedule remaining. So the Nets have actually the nineteenth easiest um, or nineteenth most difficult. They have an easier schedule remaining, according to our friends over at Tankathon. And one thing that's interesting about this is right now they rank 19th overall. For what it's worth, Cleveland ranks 29th. So Cleveland has a much easier remaining schedule. But one thing that we will see quickly happen with the Nets is because the on Tankathon or wherever you look at remaining strength of schedule, you can find this in lots of places. That's a cumulative aggregate of all the remaining records they have, which means it doesn't go. It goes by opponent, but what you can clear away a hard part of your schedule easier by playing one really good team so for instance the nets remaining strength of schedule got instantly a lot easier just by getting the denver game off the schedule because denver has such a great record right because their record even though the wins are binary wins losses are binary the record can count for more in the standings i hope i'm explaining that i hope i'm explaining that correctly so what we see with the Nets' schedule is over the next few games while right now they're at 19th Five games from now, this is going to drop to like the easiest, one of the easiest schedules in the league because they play OKC. Fine. OKC, I think is 500. I'll just look real quick. Yeah, they're 32 and 35. But then the next four games, and this is probably the most important stretch for the Nets this season, they play Sacramento, very good record this year. Denver, obviously, very good record this year. Uh, And then they play Cleveland back to back, very good record, right? And those, so. Once they clear though, that's like all the wins basically left in the remaining strength of schedule. After that, it's the it's like the bottom of the East, not yeah. all the way, but pretty much. You're gonna see this remaining strength of schedule for the Nets get so much easier here very quickly because they're gonna clear off those. T- we can't just wash away those games; those are gonna be tough games, right? But they're gonna have one of the easiest remaining schedules five games from now in the rest of the NBA, and then we'll talk in a second about the Cleveland stuff. Yeah, and by the way, so OKC closes out their road trip. Those four games, starting with the Kings and going through the double up with Cleveland, those are all at home. They'll go on the road against Miami and against Orlando, some of the teams that feel like weaker and winnable ones. But 10 out of their last 14 games on the schedule are home games for Brooklyn. So that plays into their advantage as well. They have another four-game home stretch starting on March 29th through April 4th with Houston, Atlanta, Utah, Minnesota. All very winnable games, like games I think they can go out and get. So just to your point, man, once we clear through this last road game and then that homestand, which, again, you can – we'll talk Cleveland here in a second and why that's maybe all that matters in these next four home games. But then even beyond that, we'll be comfortable in Barclays, taking on the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando Magic, and then a 76ers team to close out the season – that very well may not have something to really accomplish there, depending on where they are from a seating standpoint, too. So this thing unfolds potentially in a really great way. But you brought a Cleveland. We said it at the top. Can this team achieve this four seed? Obviously, it's those two games, right? I mean, 
Do you think it's possible for them to split those games and then still look at it as it being achievable over the back end of the season to get over top of Cleveland? It would be tough. It would be great to just make up the two games right there because you have to just rely on so many other teams. I will say one thing about that, though, is that if they did even split with them, they would actually own the series tiebreaker because they would have they've already beaten Cleveland one time this year. So just to take one of those games that they that actually makes a huge difference because they could then tie in the standings and still own the tiebreaker. So really just minimum they have to win one if they win mm-hmm. if they lose both it's it's done I don't, they, they they can't they can't catch them i don't think any in any real form or fashion but winning two making up two immediately assuming that things kind of stay on course here over the next couple of games or like they're able to just basically split what's happening yeah winning two would be we're gonna have that's when we're really really talking about it winning one though again you own the tiebreaker it's a whole game <laughs> Right, yeah, it's a whole yeah. extra game in the standing. So I think they don't need to win both. Winning one would probably not completely sink my outlook on it. Winning two, we're gonna have a really cool tone for the remaining <laughs> remaining part of the season because it's definitely in play. So let's also then because the other other side of this is you mentioned strength of schedule for Cleveland in this. Now they have uh, the Charlotte Hornets. They just beat them and now they'll play them once again on Tuesday night. They'll have the 76ers, but you mentioned how, you know pretty easy run here for them. The Wizards are in this mix. They'll play Charlotte to close out the year before they close out the season. It's back to back games against Orlando. You have the Pacers mixed in there and the Rockets. So like in a lot of ways, while in theory one and one against Cleveland, it could still be on the table. The only way that I think that that's probably feasible is if the Nets go into the games for themselves leading up to this and find a way to, you know, have success against this this four game homestand. You can lose one game to Cleveland, but you might need to win the other three. Like I think Brooklyn's still in the boat of needing to be fourteen games. It's got to probably be ten and four to say that you have a chance to catch if it's not including a sweep. If you get Cleveland back to back, then all bets are off, and it's just playing against them in the standings. But I think ten and four is probably a realistic floor to set for this if they want to get up over that four seed. And they have, and by the way, um, Cleveland does have the Knicks one more time on their schedule, which is going to be critical potentially for New York as well. There, so you get one maybe really important matchup mixed in that could help Brooklyn. Yeah, and just to add to one more, just like if we're just looking ahead of the schedule, I would say the other game on this that even if the four seed did not come into play, the other game that probably becomes the most important after that is the Miami game because at that point, beating Miami and just getting separating another game from the play-in would matter too. Right, right? Clearly completely off the table of possibilities. And I think there's like a weird thing with Miami where if they they win the division, it's like maybe they can't be in the play-in. I need to look at that again. It's like a weird divisional thing. So I'm not sure if like Miami can land, right? They're there by schedule, excuse me. They're there by um, uh, record right now, but I just need to see if it's even, like if they win their division, if that ends up being the case, I'm not sure about that. But regardless, let's just say it's by record. that game would just distance themselves from having to play in the playing game too, which again, the Nets really desperately want to avoid that. Also, like you want to just have a playoff seed set and be done. Like we're out of the, we're out of tanking territory here. We're out of like high lottery draft pick, even just spiking a random ping pong ball territory. I think the Nets Mm -hmm. have won their way out of that, (laughs) right? They in the short term. Well, that's why coming up here in a second, Doug will crunch some numbers on Miami in their scenario, but also we'll discuss what this recent run for Brooklyn and these final 14 games has done to change their perspective around where they are in the Eastern Conference and how much they'll need to accomplish in this offseason to continue to improve. There's a key veteran on this roster that has changed my mind a little bit as well. 
All right, before we get to that, we are rolling toward the NBA playoffs through this NBA season. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. New customers on FanDuel are going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All those bees, baby. Just download this FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use right now. You probably don't know this. This is how this is a testament to this net season. Mikhail Bridges has worked his way into fourth in the odds for most improved player. Now it's going to be a long shot. SGA and some of these other guys, Laurie Markin and these other guys have had pretty amazing seasons, but the fact that he's even in the conversation at plus 3,600 over on FanDuel, that is Taking what it. we're talking about. Nice job. Now let's get him, let's get him and Dinwiddie into the MVP odds too. Now that they toppled Joker last night, that's the kind of stuff that we want to see over on FanDuel. FanDuel's got you covered. Uh, for all the market spreads, money lines, totals, player props, you can go points, rebounds, assists, everything. You can pile it all together for a same game parlay with a better chance for a bigger payout. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, so I want to talk about, obviously, what this has done to change our perspective. We, we knew that this was going to be the back half of the season after the trade, just trying to figure out where's the value. We talked about Mikhail Bridges and saying, oh, there's a jewel for this team to go ahead and rebuild around going forward. But the one thing I'll say is we mentioned this going back to the offseason around the draft capital that was given up for this player. We turned around and said at the trade deadline, boy, if you could have flipped him, you wouldn't have hated it. Over these last stretch of games for one Royce O'Neal, when we just think about veterans here, He's played phenomenally. Like, it's just like, it just, it feels, it's worth diving back into that this is a guy that is consistently knocked down. Even over the last three games, he's been above 50% and two out of three from beyond the arc, three of seven in the win over Denver, four of nine from the field. Consistent production from him. Like, this is the old look at the stat line and see 11, 12, 11 points. I really think that he's done a really good job in what has been a very shifted role for him from what they were using him for when it was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This is a guy that was starting every single game for this team. It immediately changed the second that the trade deadline passed, and he's rounded himself back out. I don't know what that means long-term for him, but players like this, you mentioned about you know what's going to happen on the stretch here. What are we trying to accomplish? Do we want to play spoilers? Guys like this need to buy in in order to still have success here. Because if it's just Mikhail Bridges, just Cam Johnson, as, as well as they've been playing, that wouldn't be enough. You needed to be able to look at this bench that we said on paper was deep and have them produce. And he's a guy amongst others who's played really well. Yeah, look, I think one of the keys to this Nets recent, like just being able to like not only tread water, but actually just be able to beat some of these teams is because they shifted roles for actual good players. Like we talked about this, no matter what qualms, you know, people have with some of the players in this team, they're still very deep. Like this is like, this yeah. team has a lot of very good rotational players and just moving Royce from the starting lineup to basically he's the, he is the sixth man now, right? Like he's the net sixth man. He's like kind of plays back a point guard sort of at times. Like mm -hmm. he is, it, he, they closed with him the other night, like, or the other day against the nuggets. Like he's still a core piece of this. This is what happens when you marginally move down players who are good. We said this like way back at the beginning of the, of, of this new look nets. It was an article, um, a pod, article, geez, a podcast about the nets have like almost too many good players. That right. still remains true. They have lots of good players. They might not, you know, they might have like one or two sort of great players in that mix, but they have lots of good players. And that actually matters a lot along the margins. And Royce O'Neal is probably one of the best examples of it. It's like this guy was playing, 
he led the team and he actually might still lead the team in minutes. Um, like he was one of the minutes leader played every, they was so important for what they were doing. Now he's still very important for what they're doing, but just moved into a new role. And when you can do that around buy-in around veterans and these other guys, like this stuff does beget success, right? Like just yeah. having the right attitudes about this stuff, knowing like it's kind of like next man up, knowing your role is going to shift, knowing that like the team is still trying to win. I think for a team of comprised of like mostly veterans at this point, even if they're a little on the younger side, some of them, like it really matters. And Royce O'Neal sort of embodies that, that thought process. It's like, hey, the role changed. You started all year and you were really good for us. Now you're going to come off the bench. You're still super important. Everyone's important. I don't know when you just play these guys, when you have these guys coming off the bench, it matters. Like there's a big yeah. difference between bringing like Royce O'Neal off the bench or like Christian Brown. Like, you know, we saw that with the nuggets, they crushed the nine Jokic minutes because this, the, some of these bench guys are still really good NBA rotational players. Right, right. Yeah, right. No superstar, which means you should be deeper than other superstar teams because that's usually where you suffer, right? How deep can we be when we spend big dollars on certain players? And that's where the Nets have been able to get some wins, as you mentioned, um, you, uh, you know, including in Royce O'Neal in this too, just we look over these last five, the only loss they had in those six games was Milwaukee where Royce didn't play, but I throw that out there for you. But when we think about big picture here for the Brooklyn Nets, then uh, rounding this into form over the back end of the season, it's a pendulum. We live on a spectrum. We may change. It may shift, but, but you said it about like expectations and pursuing the four seed. What do you think this team accomplishes? Like what do they ultimately accomplish as far as getting to the playoffs and how close are you? to shifting around what they actually can accomplish regardless of the seeding. They get the four seed. Does it change winning a series? If they're a five seed, do you say win a couple of games? How much does that change for you? Um, oh, man, I know people hate to hear this because I, like we probably have been leading this in a different direction. I still think this team probably, if I'm just was going to put a bet down on it right now and feel the most comfortable, I would probably still say they land in the six seed. <laughs> like, I think okay. that that's, I think that's just kind of the, I mean, I guess the Brunson thing for New York matters a little bit, like how long he's going to be out. Um, Cause he missed the last game. So maybe that would ding the Knicks a little bit more than I'm thinking, but I think just realistically, the Cavs are still a good team. We went through their, their uh, remaining strength, strength of schedule. I don't think Miami can really catch them at this point. Um, I probably, and maybe I'm just doing like an emotional hedge for myself here too, which I've also been known to do. Uh, just you do a little emotionally hedge against the downside and then be pleasantly surprised with the up, uh, upside. But I think six is just based on their talent, based on the other teams around them. I do still think that it's probably the six seed. I, what do you think? Do you think it's higher? Am I too low? Uh, I, I, like, I like the five seed. The, the biggest thing holding me back with the Cleveland is their schedule. I think it's going to be really hard, right? And by the way, think about that Milwaukee game, which you discussed on the podcast. That was a game that you could have won. You could have reinserted all of your yeah. players back in their key starters and gotten that win. So there is at least already an indication here. The Nets, Jacques Vaughn, they're balancing the books here on rest, you know, and where they want to be and how far they want to go. But I do think like the difference between being the six seed versus the, the five seed and saying, okay, we'll go on the road and play Cleveland. That's an interesting matchup to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know what my expectations will be for the series overall. I won't go as far as to you know give my prediction on that, but I think that that's a really fun matchup. I'll put it this way. The, the Nets have certain defensive matchups that can help them against, uh, you know, the uh, Mitchell against Garland. Like, so there's things they can do in that series that would make it really fun and combined with what the Knicks are dealing with, maybe a little injury-wise, like I just think that they got back over top of the Knicks after losing to them. The schedule is right enough that all they need to do is be a ten and four, you know, and maybe nine and five can be enough to still secure that five seed. So I'm, I'm going to keep them in the five seed. 
And then I think maybe as we get closer to the end of the season here, we can discuss if they can actually get over top of, of one of these matchups in the playoffs. I think no matter what happens, you know, and a whole like short of them falling to the play in somehow, which, you know, all these things are still on the table. I think the the scenarios are going to set themselves up really cool. No matter what, like if they yeah. were six, six seed and it was like a Philly series, like that'd be awesome. Right. Like I'm very uh, interested uh, about that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like a, a Philly series in the playoffs. I mean, like imagine Ben Simmons comes back. I that's, that's looking unlikely, but whatever. Um, like God, I'll do you one better. How about this? How about this? The, the ultimate would be that Cleveland does tumble and the Knicks do surge. And it's a four or five matchup either way between the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks in the same city. Yeah, great like if we if you want to talk about it being thing that would be possible, it'd probably be the best like first round scenario. That would be absolutely incredible to watch that unfold. So there's a lot of fun. That, bottom line is like there's a lot of matchups that I get excited about. I take that back. I take mine back. Now I want that to happen, and I need the NBA to rig it so it happens. And like just like make it. <laughs> like, let's get the new NBA rewrite the script, figure out the new so, script over here. Back up, and now we want to see we want to see Nets Knicks four or five seed. Knicks can even take the four seed. I don't even care. Like the Nets, we'll, we'll go. We'll go across. It's fine. They can, they can have the. You know? Yeah, look, I, I'm not gonna be beggars. Aren't gonna be choosers around this one. Just uh, Knicks get the home the home court advantage. Four or five seed Knicks Nets. Forget the Cavs. Get out of here. And that's kind of what we want to happen. All right. We are going to get out of here. Appreciate everyone that jumped in to YouTube live yesterday. Uh, just had so many people. Everyone look after the wins. Everyone's just gassed. So uh, we want to be <laughs> keep showing up after games. We're live after just about every game over on YouTube. And you'll know when it's happening by subscribing to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. Now, you may have heard this after that trade deadline. Wait a minute, Julius. I want to hear this. You're telling me that I'm the leftover crap? That I'm no good? That's Vincent Benedict from Twins. And we know, just like the Brooklyn Nets, he turned it around, and so have these boys. Ah, uh, baby, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.